Solar thermal essentially is you have solar panels that photovoltaic panels that are producing renewable electricity with with the sun. Most people understand that, right? Mm -hmm. But now we're actually able to take the heat from the sun and we're going to heat the water that we use. So what we're doing is we actually put a thermal shield on the back of these solar panels and we use a glycol loop to transfer the heat from the panel through the shield into that glycol. And then we run that glycol through plumbing all the way down to a heat exchanger. And that's where the glycol meets the domestic hot water and it transfers that heat from the glycol to the domestic hot water and then it stores it in a storage tank. Welcome to Energy Sense, the podcast that takes a common sense approach to the news, trends, and ideas shaping the energy industry. I'm Jason Roop here with Chris Rawlings, who's the Chief Energy Officer of Bowerbird Energy. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. How's it going? This is the first podcast we've done where we had dinner and drinks beforehand. So <laughs> we're going to see how clear we can be with our ideas No, it's going to be fun. No. This is a little bit of a reunion. We've uh, we've both been doing a bunch of projects kind of on our own, and now we're coming back together, and it'll be great. And I will edit out any burping or belching noises. <laughs> it's not If that, that happens, no. We had, a, we had a... Actually, so Chris, your office is here in a co-working space called Gather. It's right next to a brewery called Three Notched. We should give them a shout out. They are... It was delicious. Yeah, they have great pizza. And, and Gather's been amazing. I mean, honestly, I wish we'd have done this a lot sooner. They have multiple locations around Richmond, also in Virginia Beach, Norfolk. So, yeah, it's been great free, to join the community. Free coffee, free beer. Yeah. They literally have beer taps. <laughs> I've never I seen... I mean, how, <laughs> how else can you lure a bunch of people in here? <laughs> yes. So, this is one of those places where people are coming back to work. They're not at Absolutely. home. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Oh. We've been talking in a few other episodes about a little bit of a tease because you couldn't mention one of your biggest projects that you've done. And today we decided it's time to talk about it. So uh, let's get right to it because this is your year anniversary of getting this job. You've finished it. I know you're you know, wrapping up a few little loose ends on it, but tell me about what you did and where you've been spending all this time. So... I would say about three years ago now, we got a phone call from someone uh, with the Air Force that said, hey, I saw one of your trucks driving down 64 in the Virginia Beach area that said energy management on it. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? And so we gave them the pitch and they said, hey, you know, we did this study and we have this idea about this solar thermal project and can you help us out? And it was very much in kind of the the ideation stage where they had done kind of a preliminary study, um, I think a year or two before that. So you're probably thinking close 2017, 2018 when the study was actually done. Um, and they were just in the very beginning stages of just reaching out to companies and kind of doing some market research saying who's out there, what can they provide and, you know, can they provide the solution that we we think we need? Good lesson in branding on your car and and company vehicles. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so they reached out and, you know, there was obviously a, a few months of, of back and forth uh, on the idea and kind of the concept. And then, you know, we, we did a site visit and a walkthrough of the facility and then really came to kind of more of a concrete understanding of what 
would actually be successful, you know, uh, executing at the facility. And what did they want to do? What was their issue? So this project is, uh, so Langley Air Force Base has a big gym and recreation center on base. It's where they use a lot of water. So they heat the pool, which is a lot of water, the the showers. Mm -hmm. It's an indoor pool. Indoor pool, um, showers, laundry facilities. So they use a lot of water, uh, heat a lot of water, and obviously they use a lot of electricity, right? So they wanted to incorporate a solar thermal project, which essentially takes the heat from the sun and not only produces electricity via the solar panels, but also preheats the domestic hot water um, to essentially offset those big, huge water heaters that you would typically have in in a mechanical room. Before we get to how this works, let's talk about the energy drain that a place like this is, because you know, when you're talking about a gym, you've got showers running all the time. You have the pool, like you mentioned, you have laundry where they're trying to do towels and all of that, the the washing machines. So th- this is just one example of one type of building, but it seems like gyms, things like that at a military base are really going to be a drain. Yeah. I mean, obviously gyms at a military base are, <laughs> are used quite a bit, right? And so one of the things we look at when we look at facilities is the high operating hours. And so the longer your facility is open, the more energy it uses, right? Yeah. Gyms are, are very energy intensive when, uh, particularly on military bases, when they're used pretty much 24-7. They run first, second, and third shifts, depending on you know what unit you're with and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of energy used with, with heating the water. There's electricity obviously used, um, for, for appliances. And so you have electricity and natural gas, uh, and water that are being used in this facility. And these are big water tanks. These aren't your home. Right, right. What's the size like? What are we talking about? Well, I mean, for, for a building this size, uh, I believe they had 200 gallon, uh, domestic hot water tanks. Um, and then obviously they had big boilers. So they actually, you know, produce a lot of steam for the, for the HVAC system, the natural gas, uh, fired hot water heaters. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and so they, the government has been mandated through uh, a bunch of federal mandates to reduce their carbon footprint, but also they are expanding, um, at, at that particular base. And so you have the kind of the the catch-22 of, well, we have to expand our operations. We have to build new buildings, uh, which is obviously going to increase our energy footprint, but we also have to decrease our existing footprint. So mm-hmm. we need to come up with ways that we can that we can actually do that. And Be so more efficient. Yeah, so that yeah. was the main driver for them reaching out and, and having an idea about this project. So who had the idea that if you're on base and, and you... What, what's going to come into your head about, as I asked you this too, like how did, who thought of this idea of we're going to put solar panels on the roof and ta- look, at geo, uh, look at solar thermal? How did that even originate? Yeah, so I think that, you know, again, you have your, your engineers and you have your base energy managers and you have your, your, you know, your contracting team that puts the contracts together. And I think at some point there was a study done uh, and one of the recommendations from that study was to to look at solar thermal as an option to produce renewable energy and offset the carbon footprint from the domestic hot water heaters and heating the hot water. So solar thermal became the the solution that they narrowed in and focused with. So before we talk about how you um, came to create that solution for them, how does 
solar thermal work? Let's get to the basics because this isn't familiar to a lot of people. I mean, we're all familiar with what solar does, but what is solar thermal? Absolutely. So over the years, there have been numerous iterations of the technology, but I'll specifically speak to the solution that we use. So solar thermal essentially is you have solar panels that photovoltaic panels that are producing renewable electricity with with the sun. Most people understand that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But now we're actually able to take the heat from the sun and we're going to heat the water that we use. So instead of the hot water heater taking in groundwater that's 55 degrees, putting it in a big, huge gas-fired hot water heater and heating it up to 130, uh, which is a typical usable temperature for a commercial building, it takes a lot of energy to heat water from 55 to 130. So what we're doing is we actually put a thermal shield on the back of these solar panels and we ran a glycol loop. So we use glycol as the heat transfer fluid. Um, instead of actually running the water all the way up to the roof and all the way back, we use a glycol loop to transfer the heat from the panel through the shield into that glycol. And then we run that glycol through plumbing all the way down to a heat exchanger. And that's where the glycol meets the domestic hot water and it transfers that heat from the glycol to the domestic hot water, and then it stores it in a storage tank. And so now you've gone from 55-degree groundwater up to maybe 105, 110, and so now you're only heating the water from maybe 110 to 130 instead of 55 degrees. Which is a lot easier. And you're also using tanks that are heavily insulated and holding that heat in better, right? Correct, correct. So these tanks are, are like you said, heavily insulated. Um, and then there's also a, a heat pump as well. So obviously the sun's not always going to be shining. You're not yeah. always going to be producing that hot water. So when that hot water is stored uh, in that tank, if it if there's more demand than what's being produced on the roof, that heat pump will actually help offset the the, the delta, the difference there. So nobody, the, the last guy in the gym isn't getting the cold shower. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there's other pieces, you know, there's expansion tanks and different valves and things like that. But those are the major, major components of the system. I had an opportunity when we were working on a video about this project to climb up on the roof get strapped into the safety cables and all of that and do some filming up there. And it was really interesting because I hadn't seen anything more than solar panels before. So the solar panels are really doing double duty, is what you're saying. They're they're generating electricity. And so it, not the only electricity for the building, but they're adding to the electricity. So that goes down into one part. But then to give people an idea, there are these, like you said, this piping. So glycol, is that a is that a chemical? Is it a type of alcohol? What is it? So think about like the uh, refrigerant that you put in your, the coolant that you put in your car, right? So yeah. like, it's the same concept. You're, you're just taking a, a fluid that um, transfers heat a lot, you know, better than, than, than water than or water. steam would. So it, it, so the panels are heating the glycol that's in these pipes. And that runs down to a heat exchanger. Yeah, so there's a shield on the back of the panel um, that has little grooves uh, in between two shields with uh, thermal insulation in it. Mm -hmm. And that heat is coming from the panel through the shield, transferring to those glycol loops. Those glycol loops then 
go to plumbing that runs up to a manifold. And then that manifold takes all of the plumbing from all of the panels, takes it all into the same manifold, and then you run that line all the way down to the uh, heat exchanger where the exchange is, is made like we talked about and then to the storage tank. One, one of the things to, to note here is, you know, it's really important to, to kind of understand the details of the project, right? So mm-hmm. this isn't as simple as just throwing a panel up on the roof and putting a shield on the back of it, running some piping and you're done. Um, <laughs> it's You really have to pay very close attention with like, how is that shield being mounted to the actual solar panel itself. You have to make sure that you're not going to damage that panel, that you're not going to void any warranties from the manufacturer of that panel. You have to make sure that it's mounted correctly and that everything's lined up correctly. Because when Hmm. you start to lay these panels on the roof, you have expansion joints and and different strategic ways that you have to kind of lay the panels uh, to get the project done efficiently, but also, you know, make sure that you're understand the quality control and quality assurance that goes along with it to make sure the system is most effective. Another thing to note is that while we're also transferring the heat that the panels are generating, solar panels are um, less efficient the more hot that they get. So basically heat... That makes no sense to me. (laughs) So, yeah. So uh, essentially the hotter a solar panel gets, the less efficient it is. Why is that? Do we know? (laughs) <laughs> um, without getting into the nitty gritty okay. engineering type stuff, it, it's it's basically um, we're cooling the panel and making it more efficient because we're cooling it. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, and so there, there's kind of a double effect there where you're actually increasing the efficiency, being able to produce more electricity than you typically would uh, per panel while also transferring the heat and preheating the hot water. And so then there's, you know, with with standard solar projects, you have wire management, right? So mm-hmm. like when you're installing these panels, you have wires that are hooked up and you have to make sure that like no wires are being crossed, that they're not being installed incorrectly, frayed, cut, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're adding another layer of piping into that as well. Yeah, right. There, so, are, there were a lot of, there was a lot of piping going on. Was there right. in the, not only the water pipes, but the tiny pipes with the glycol and they're running everywhere. Right. So you have to make sure that, you know, your connectors are faced in, in the correct way and that all the um, panels and piping are being laid correctly. And, and it's just a lot to, uh, to take into account if you've never done a project like that. So not to mention you're doing a lot of this labor on top of a hot roof with the sun beating down on you and you've got to get equipment up from the ground to the roof. Yeah, of course, just like any other construction project, we we go to installation in, you know, noon in July <laughs> here in Virginia <laughs> right. when it's great timing. Ninety yeah. something degrees outside. So um so yeah, there there are some challenges and and there was definitely some lessons learned uh throughout the project. But I think you know, our team did a fantastic job. I mean, I'd, I'd be remiss if if I didn't say that. You know, it was the it was entirely a team function. Yeah. Before, so let's talk about that real quick because it's not like you can go to the yellow pages and look up solar thermal solution for gyms. So one of the roles that Bowerbird had to play was how do we turn this idea into reality because it's not a one call deal you had to pull a lot of different people together. So how to, that that was interesting to me is that, you know, Bowerbird provides a lot of different services, but this was a project you hadn't done before. How did you figure out how to make it happen? Yeah, that's a good question, Jason. So I'll kind of walk you through the steps. Uh, number one, lots of research. 
Mm-hmm. So the first thing we did was you know get on Google and, and started researching how many of these projects had been done, who's done them, what companies were involved, how successful were they, et cetera, et cetera. So we were out there basically interviewing solution providers that specialized uh, in these types of projects. And we did that for a couple of months. We talked with engineering firms. We talked with manufacturers. And so lots of research on the front end to... Uh, really shortlist who we thought were credible companies that might be a fit to pull into the project if you know if we were awarded the project. So lots of research on the front end, lots of communication back to the government saying, "Hey, you know, because obviously they were doing market research in the beginning, trying to figure out the same stuff. Who too. would right? Who would be their supplier? So we went back to them and said, "Hey, look, this is what we found, and and." These are the, you know, shortlisted companies that we think might, you know, be interested or might be able to provide the solution. And then the next step was really trying to understand, okay, how is the government going to procure this this project from from industry? And so they released uh, the, the RFP and, and we were awarded a design build project, uh, which essentially means that we are in charge of designing and constructing the project. So... Uh, the first step was to get an engineering team together, get all of our vendors that we had shortlisted, get them selected, and start the design. So we had mechanical, electrical, uh, plumbing, structural uh, engineers involved to start doing the design set. So you obviously submit a, a set of plans to the government. They approve it, um, typically like you would in a commercial project, trying to get permits or whoever from what city mm-hmm. or county. And then there was review periods during the design process. So we would have an ad- initial concept, you know, one-line diagrams and, and very mm-hmm. kind of generic um, drawing sets. And then say, okay, well, let's get to 50%. So we would get to 50% of the design set and then go back to the government and say, hey, do you guys approve? We've gotten this far. Give, yeah. us, give us the green light to keep going. And, and there was three or four iterations of the design. And this happened over the course of probably six months. Uh, and wow, that's all just leading into it. Yeah, so this is all of the design phase. This is looking at, okay, what are the conditions that we're coming into? What's existing, right? So we have to look at their their plans that they have on file. Do the plans match what's actually on site? So typically they don't. There's a lot <laughs> right. of changes that are made. And so... Yeah, there's there's a lot of design, you know, uh, back and forth. But over the course of about six months, we finally nailed down, okay, we've got the design set done about 90%. We have all the uh, what we consider long lead time items are approved for ordering. Um, so 12, 14, 20-week lead time items, you know, you get those major components. So we talked about the storage tank and the heat exchanger and the heat pumps. And we're still coming out of the pandemic a little bit where a lot of those things were on hold and we're talking about maybe did just some parts come from other faraway places? (laughs) Absolutely. And and from the time that the study had been done to the time that we went to actually order the equipment, there'd been technological improvements. Prices changed. Yeah. Yeah. So that there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of changes that you have to communicate. Um, there's, you know, price changes with copper and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, again, a lot of communication. But once those long lead time items were approved, we went ahead and ordered the materials and we set a schedule for when the installation would begin. And then we went to construction and, and actually went through the, what I would say is the more 
difficult part, uh, even though the, the design portion was more lengthy uh, compared to the actual time that it took to uh, execute on the project. The more nuanced, uh, intricate stuff happened during the actual right because it's one thing on paper; it's another thing when you get real people there together to work together. There, uh, and also just some of the soft skills like teamwork. You're you, you're working with a lot of different teams, so let's let's mention some of the uh, partners you had because I know you had them in all different genres. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So we had, I believe, five different companies that came together as a team to to execute on this project. Um, so you the know, solar people, obviously. Yeah. Well, first shout out to Sean Dominguez and Dominguez design build. Uh, they were what I would call our prime teaming partners, very experienced design build contractor based in Florida, but does work all over the East coast. Uh, Navy veteran, former, uh, Naval aviator. And Sean, you, you got to know him through the, uh, the Institute for veterans and military families. Yep, yeah. We met, uh, through a program there. So, you know, again, just coming back to your network, trying to find out, you know, who who do I know that can really execute on this type of project? So Sean stepped up to the plate. We had Sundrum, who was the main designer of the actual system. So they were one of three companies that were shortlisted. And we Are they up, in Virginia? or They're actually out of Boston. Wow. Um, okay. So yeah. Michael, we had the whole East Coast from Boston to Florida. Yeah. We had Sean from Florida. We had Michael Intrury uh, with Sundrum out of Boston. And then, of course, here in Richmond, we had Energy Control Company and Mike Skelzy and, and his team, who we've worked with for years. Um, helping us execute on on the plumbing uh, and bringing in some of the uh, mechanical engineering expertise that All was that needed. All that piping we were talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. And then we had Convert Solar out of Virginia Beach. Chad Wilkins and his team uh, did a phenomenal job. Uh, his, his foreman, Tyler, couldn't say enough good things about them. Uh, they had the guys out there had never done a solar thermal project yeah. again, and uh, they really knocked it out of the park. So yeah, it it really takes an entire team, um, and and that's really what our job is. You know, a lot of people kind of come to us, they're like, how do you do these projects? And it's like, well, we're just really good at building teams. To, how about to, electrical? You didn't mention electrical. Who did that? So obviously we did the electrical in-house, okay. Bowerbird Energy. Um, so, you know, our electrical engineering, um, electrical installation, uh, really partnering again with Sundrum, Convert, Energy Control Company to kind of work kind of in between in the gaps, uh, whether it's helping them hook up the heat pump or, you know, rerouting piping for the inverters. Um, we, we, you know, came in as a team and, and helped execute. It's really interesting to me how you pull these different companies together to do a project that not a lot of people know about. And I think, you know, if, probably if we listen to this podcast 10 years from now, this is probably, there'll probably be companies that do solar thermal projects and you call them up and they do the whole thing. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. Hopefully you'll be a big part of that. But well, um, I think this is just a framework of general contracting and design build contracting where you get to be a part of the design on the front end. You get to take a, a customer's idea that they have. You help influence the design you obviously bid and, and win the project and then you, you get to see it all the way to execution. And, and honestly, that's the most fun part about my job is that I get to build the teams and I get to uh, influence the design instead of just reading a book from an engineer or whoever and saying, do it this way and just do it just because. And that's the way that it always needs to be done. It's I, I love the design build aspect because 
you, you get to be creative on the front end and yeah. really look at, you know, this is why the solution works this way, because this facility is located in this geography or there, or it's used in this particular manner. And those are the type of nuanced things that, um, that, that are very kind of special and intricate to what, you know, we do obviously at Bowerbird, but just in that kind of design build type contract. It's um, creative problem solving. That's what yeah, you're doing. and I mean, project management and everything that goes into managing construction projects and building teams, a lot of what you're doing is, um, you know, putting out fires, so to yeah. speak. I mean, everyone in construction talks about it, whether it's the delivery driver that didn't call you and just showed up on site <laughs> and you have to drive two hours down. Right. We should mention Hampton is a, a little bit of a drive from Richmond. Yeah, it's so about you an hour drive from yep. Richmond. So um, with, with security protocols. and Correct. Yeah. And so you, you have um, just things are going to happen. And it's the way that you respond uh, to those things and, and um, again, communicate to the client every step of the way what's happening. There's... Cost overruns, schedule overruns, you know, they happen quite a bit. I'm, I'm sure everyone notices it, uh, you know, being in the public, anytime they see a government project, oh, when is that thing ever going to get finished? Or, yeah. oh my gosh, they said it was going to be a million, now it's three million. <laughs> you know, and it's, we really uh, pride ourselves in being able to execute on these projects and not cause massive change orders that are unneeded or, you know, uh, run over budget or run over schedule too much. Um, we we communicate and and we do the very best we can to make sure that those things don't happen. And, uh, you know, I think w- what's the quote, you know, uh, success is where preparation and opportunity meet, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the preparation that really helped us, you know, execute uh, this project. Before we run out of time, I know we don't have all the numbers in yet. We're going to wait. We'll probably come back and do a report on what the results were of the energy savings and and how this has changed their system. But do you have any early any early feedback of how the system has done and what kinds of results they are seeing from uh, the system you've put in? Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm pulling up my fancy app right here. <laughs> I see so that. we have the uh, we have the Solar Edge app. So. Um, for all you solar folks out there, uh, there, there's an easy app where, where you can read. So it looks like, um, you know, this year we've produced 10.9 megawatt hours, uh, of, of solar, uh, produced today. It was a very cloudy day here. Yeah. We've got 131 kilowatt hours. So the app right here makes it very easy for any kind of facility manager, or anybody that wants access to, they to can the data just check to it see. On. We don't know how much the electricity bills are going to go down or anything, but it's, it's, well, we know that, um, you know, so, so this is probably a good point to mention. So from the solar side, we, we have the, the, the solar edge app and we have everything kind of coming from the inverters and the panels. We can see if even one of those individual panels is not working, it's going to show up on, on this oh, app and we'll cool. be able to okay. send a truck out immediately to wow. fix it. But on the thermal side, we actually have kind of an IoT, you know, connected services solution there where we can see the, the energy uh, that's being uh, offset, and we can see the temperature in the storage tank and all of that. Um, and so we're pretty consistently staying between 110 and 115 degrees inside the storage tank right now, which we predicted offsetting about 65% of their energy mm-hmm. usage to heat the hot water, and we're actually offsetting about 80%. Wow. Uh, because their expected actual demand wasn't as high as as they had expected it to be. Um 
but yeah, we're we are uh, under promising and over delivering right now on on the data from the project. Headline for me is the government can be efficient, and you know you guys have done um, great work for. Uh, all those Air Force folks uh, using that gym, they've got a greener place, less carbon footprint, fewer uh, fewer electricity bills, hopefully, and uh, maybe they'll take this and implement it on some other buildings down there. Yeah, so we've obviously already been in talks with um, other agencies and, and showing them kind of what we can do, really taking a project from ideation and, and figuring out if it works. Again, this is not a solution that's just a one-size-fits-all. It's It's not like solar where it's like hey if you have a south facing roof with no obstructions you know bring it on in bring it right. on in it's it's very um or replacing your hot water heater in your house it's right. not just it's it's not going to fit for everybody it but it's just one of the solutions that we have of many uh to reduce their carbon footprint and reduce those energy expenses and um now that the government and and a lot of corporate companies are um you know feeling the pressure and and in some instances are mandated to do that um, companies like ours are, are well suited to provide those solutions. Well, at our next podcast episode, we'll have some more information. We'll have to come back and check up on how it's doing. Thanks for uh, talking us through the project and how it came to be. And congratulations. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Energy Sense. We hope you'll uh, share with a friend, subscribe, keep up with our latest episodes, and we'll catch you next time. 